We are in Mark chapter 6, the 30th verse. We're going to jump back into our, our Mark series for a few more weeks. Once we get to the halfway point of this book, we'll, we'll stop for a few months and, and do some other things and come back in the fall to the second half of the Gospel of Mark. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200, den 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of the fish. And of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the words of this gospel, this good news to us. And we pray that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to hear and to receive. God, we pray that the eyes of our hearts would be opened, that we would see what you are doing here. And would you help us to be attentive to you in our midst? Let our own hearts be fed and nourished by you, by the power of your spirit. And God, would you help me to, to only act and speak in that direction. God, may any other objectives, aims, or words fall away to the wayside. We thank you, Jesus, for being the shepherd of the sheep who loves his people now and always. Amen. This, uh, this story is, is the most repeated miracle story in the Gospels. This feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle that is said in all four of the Gospels, which I think is kind of weird. Um, this is not the miracle I would pick for everybody to remember and make sure it was included in the written Gospels. I just don't think it's very cool to be perfectly honest with you. The one that comes after, which we'll talk about next week, pretty cool. Jesus walking on water. That's kind of awesome. Um, Jesus doing things like raising people from the dead. That seems like we should have Lazarus stories in all four Gospels or the story of the little girl in all four Gospels. But this is the one. This story, the feeding of the 5,000, is the story that all four Gospel writers felt like you need to hear, you need to know. And it's important to think about that and to hear why and what is going on. Now, at its face, it might be easy for me to dismiss this story because finding food is not a problem. And it's very clear to me 
that that is the case. I can find food and often do at any time throughout the day. So the, the idea of having food instantly provided is not that surprising and miraculous to me. But this is not the, the case for the people in this place in this time where finding food was a big deal. And having provision for enough people, this amount of people, is a big deal. Jesus has been working with his disciples, and they have been busy. He says that they need to come away with him. They haven't even had enough time to eat. There's this particular detail that Mark gives that Jesus tells them. You haven't even had time to eat. Come away with me. And then, of course, their plans are interrupted. Because by the time they, they get to where they're going, the whole crowd has met them there. They, they know what Jesus is about, roughly, and they're, they're not ready for Jesus to have a break. They're not ready for the disciples to have a break. So their, their break, their day off, becomes a work day. And Jesus teaches them at length, teaches them many things. And the disciples, pretty wisely, um, they know that they were going to a desolate place, a remote place, the wilderness. And they're kind of looking around. 5,000 men there, probably plenty of women and children in addition. And they're saying dinner time is near and there is, there is no fast food available. There are no grocery stores open at this hour. These people have to go somewhere else to find food because we definitely don't have a traveling buffet for several thousand. And Jesus tells them, you feed them. And they're... Objection is pretty rational. It's, they're, they're looking at themselves saying, with what? Like how? They, what they t say is, if we had 200 days worth of wages, we wouldn't have enough money to feed these people. But Jesus says, tell me what you do have. And they find these loaves and fish. And it's enough. Because Jesus makes it enough. He, he takes it, he gives thanks, he breaks the bread, and they just keep passing. And they pass and they pass and they pass. So there's more than enough. And everybody spread out across this, this meadow, this green grass field, big enough for thousands and thousands. They eat until they're fully satisfied. They don't have a little snack. They have everything that they want. And there's more. And the disciples, each one goes out with their basket that they probably carried plenty of their stuff with. And they all fill up their own basket full of leftovers. This is what it's like to follow Jesus. And this is what so struck the gospel writers that every one of them said, you've got to hear this story. You've got to hear it. Now, part of that is because you have to hear this in the context of Israel's story. Jesus sees the people and it says that he is moved with compassion. This phrase that only Jesus uh, gets associated with in all of the Gospels. He is moved and provoked by these people that he sees. Now, there's potentially something going on here. Uh, one commentator, James Edwards, says 
that John's gospel, when he tells us this story, says they came with the intention of making him king. This region, Galilee, is known for a particularly strong tradition of being opposed to Roman rule. And it's entirely possible that this intention to make Jesus as king is really uh, a gathering reason for thousands of people who are ready for a revolution. They are, they are ready for, for the spark to hit the, to hit the fuel and for revolutionary blaze to break out. But Jesus is not looking at them as the kind of military leader that they expect or they desire. He's looking at them as a shepherd of these sheep. And his heart is moved to provide for them. He provides for them first in teaching. He is, in this way, very similar to to Moses. Moses is viewed the same way with the people in the wilderness. Moses teaches the people in the wilderness. He provides for the people in the wilderness. And, and here Jesus is, is doing likewise, except Moses is only kind of the transfer agent. And, and here Jesus is not. He's the one that Moses spoke to. He's the one that directly delivers the bread to the people in the wilderness. You can read in the book of 2 Kings in the fourth chapter how there's a kind of similar setup. The prophet Elisha has a man come to him saying there's all these people here and there's no food to eat. And he says, we have these 12 loaves of bread. And the prophet says to him, just pass it out. And they just keep passing and passing and passing. And Jesus, now directly in front of the people's eyes, redoes this, this prophet of prophets. He provides for his people in the teaching that he gives. He provides for his people in the bread that they eat. And you are meant to respond to this as a disciple. As you read this story, you are supposed to kind of enter in and to put yourself here and ask the question, where am I and what would I be doing? <laughs> the, the disciples are being told r- right here in the front of, end of the story that a life of discipleship, a life of following Jesus requires keeping eyes on Jesus and being ready to do what he is doing. This is probably at the heart of Jesus' instruction in them at the very beginning. You have been too busy. You need to come away. You've been too busy even to eat. And I would say that busyness is probably, for most of you, if not all of you, the most significant enemy of your soul as a disciple. You may be at various stages of your life where you're struggling with other things. So, I acknowledge that. But in the ordinary life of most people, especially in our place and time, Jesus' diagnosis is probably not just for these disciples. It is for these disciples. You've been too busy to eat with him. And this is a problem. Jesus, in a life with Jesus, is not meant 
to be one thin sliver of a very full pie. Life with Jesus is the center of all of your life. And if we as people who are meant to be with him and to follow him have not even a moment to eat with him, there is a very, very real problem. There's a danger. Jesus diagnoses that with his own disciples. And I would say probably would diagnose the same with you if you are like me. Jesus then also requires something of his disciples. He requires obedience, but behind that obedience requires a kind of trust. Because Jesus says to them, feed these people. And their instant response is the same as mine would be. How? The mechanics of what he wants me to do are the most pressing concern very often in my life. And it is normal and natural to ask the question, how am I, how am I supposed to do what you've called me to do? If I'm supposed to do anything, I, I kind of need to, to know step one. It's a, it's a normal and ordinary question, but the disciples' response, my response, is very often a kind of questioning that freezes. It is not an open-minded, it is not open-hearted, how would you like me to go about doing this? It is instead... A silent, that's impossible, and I can't do that, and I won't do that, and so I will continue doing what I want to do. When I ask how, what I don't mean is how. What I mean is no. That is what how sounds like in my heart. And it sounds like at least some of this is in the disciple's mouth as well. We cannot do this. We, we have nowhere near enough money to provide for all of these people. What we should know as we read the Gospels, what the disciples should definitely have known after living with Jesus is Jesus is not dumb. Jesus has some idea of what they have. He has some idea of their financial resources. He has some idea of their food resources. And so he has not spoken these words to them idly. He, he is not insulting them. He's not mocking them. He is instead act, acting and inviting them to act in a way that is outside of their normal expectations and indeed their own capabilities. And all Jesus wants from them is to bring, them every, bring him everything they have. That's all he wants. Just bring everything. And what they have is so little. It's not even close to enough. But Jesus wants all of it. And so they do. They bring him everything that he has. And it turns out that in Jesus' hands, it is so much more than enough. And if all they had said was the kind of how, the kind of no, that I typically give in my own life, what then is the result? 
if I am here and I am acting the way that I normally act, what then is the result? I don't know. I don't know. It's the kind of silent question in the text that can trouble you. And then the disciples are required then to obey. Because then they're just in the position of passing on all that Jesus has provided. I, I wonder here, too, what this looks like from the crowd's perspective. Do they have any idea what is going on? It, it, in the text, there is no indication that they do. So they've been told to, to gather in 50s and, and hundreds. I don't know if somebody's counting or, or what, but they, they gather in these clumps of 50s and hundreds, and they scatter across, and then just here comes some dude with a basket of food. Just keep rolling on. Great, he's, he's provided. I, I don't know that it, it's been public at all. The only people who definitely know what has happened are the disciples. There's no, there's no public announcement here in the moment. Hey, guys, guess what Jesus just did? Like thousands of loaves of bread. He just made it happen, which, by the way, is so not interesting to Mark or any of the readers. They don't tell you what it looks like, which is, again, very much what I'm interested in seeing. I want to know the mechanics of how this works, and it's just not interesting to them. So the people are receiving food. They don't even seem to acknowledge or care that it's miraculously provided. The only ones that know are the disciples. And isn't that the way it is with Jesus? Irritatingly, so much of what God is doing is hidden and unseen, but to a few and maybe just to you. And truth be told, I would very often like it to be a lot more public than that. I would feel better if everybody got to see what I got to see. I would feel better if everybody got to know of all the miraculous things that I got to participate in, that you got to participate in. But isn't this the way of Jesus? That the people who need to know, they do. And the people who get to participate, these few. It's enough for now. And it's probably how God is working in your life. And in fact, the things that God is miraculously doing and providing for in you may be even unseen and unappreciated by you. You, the one directly involved, you maybe the only one who's actually receiving this form of God's provision, you don't even recognize it. You may even be mad at God for what he is failing to do for you. And down the line, days, weeks, months, or even years from now, only then will you turn around and see what he has done. And the truth is that it is important to look at the disciples and what they do and to imagine what you are called to do with Jesus. But the most important thing that you need to see in this is Jesus. You need to see what he is like and you need to see 
what his heart is. Because his heart is for his people. And that has never changed. This one, who is the great shepherd of the sheep, he still sees his people needy, in need of a word, of a teaching, in need of provision. And he sees you where you are, and he is still the one moved with compassion. It is really, really important to see this about Jesus. Because right now, as you are attempting to hopefully be a disciple, to be one following Jesus, it is one of the primary temptations that you will experience in your life is to believe that God does not care, that he's absent, that he's not paying attention, that he is unmoved by what is happening in your own life. One of the great and first lies of the, of the enemy of your soul is to tell you that God will withhold from you, that he doesn't care about you, that he won't be good for you. But this story is in all four of the Gospels so that you would see very clearly the truth about the nature of God, about this shepherd of the sheep, this one, Jesus. He is moved with compassion for his people and he moves to provide for you. This is why Jesus tells you to pray this way. God, give me what I need. Give me my daily bread. Because he is the one on the other side of the prayers who wants to provide for you your daily bread. He is the one who is establishing a kingdom where there is no hunger. It is, it is why it is so important for the people of God for the, for the church, for, for the kingdom to be a place where there is more than enough. Where we don't view our lives and our tables as only so small, with only so much room, with only so much capacity for just the right kind of people. Because the great shepherd of the sheep, the king of the kingdom, says there's, there's room at his table and there's enough food on his table for all of his people. And so our lives can only become the kind of reflective and generous lives, the lives that make space and time for Jesus and for others, if we first see that this is the way that the king is. This is the way that Jesus is, that when you are hungry and hurting and in need, he is not keeping himself at arm's distance. He is not looking at you and saying, I hope you figured it out. He has not overlooked you. He has not forgotten you. He is moved with compassion and provides for you the daily bread that you are meant to, to ask of him time and time and time again, so much that it'll be boring to you, so boring to you that you won't even see a miracle in this story. And yet day after day and time after time, the bread from the king's table is multiplied again and again and again and again and again and again and again, forever and ever and ever. Because this is the way that Jesus is. Jesus will ultimately say of himself in the Gospel of John <clears throat> that he is the bread. That it is himself that he will provide for his people. 
It is not just the bread on your table that you eat, the food that you need, the the resources you need to pay your bills. He cares about those things. And he gives you more. Because the shepherd of the sheep will say that you are meant to be sustained by his own flesh and blood. And you must feast on him. And in him, there is enough. It is not just the daily needs that he will provide for and he cares about. It is not just that his compassion is such that he'll provide you with a teaching or with bills being paid. He is so moved with compassion for his people. The shepherd of the sheep will lay down his life for the flock so that you may live. And it is not just that one-time thing that he does. It is the continual feeding for you from that thing so that you will be sustained by his own life. And he can meet you precisely where you are in the wilderness of your own life. If you will make time to eat with him. This is why it's so vital to hear this thing the beginning of this story. You have been so busy. You have not had time to eat. People of God, you are the same now as the people he has always loved. You are so busy and pushed to and fro and stretched far too thin And there is not nearly enough spiritual resources within yourself, within your schedule, within this world. And the great shepherd of the sheep sees you where you are and offers himself that you might be fed and sustained. Jesus is not looking to be the ornament on on your life. He is not meant to be the sort of accessory that sort of completes the picture. He is not meant to be the kind of furnishing in the corner of the room that ties the room together. Jesus is the fountain. He is the foundation. He is the center. He is the only source of life that you are meant to draw from. And if you spin away from who he is and what he provides, you will not make it. You will not be sustained until the end. And that's why all the prayers of the New Testament are that you would you would come to a place where you trust him more, will you love him more because you need him like this. And in him There is everything that you need. If you are here today and you have been living a life of frantic busyness 
if you've been living a life of prolific self-dependence, if you've been living a life of your own scheming, your own self-reliance, you've been living a life of delusion. You've been fooling yourself into thinking that you can do this, that you have a handle on this, and everything is all right. It is not all right. You are not all right. You are on the precipice. You may feel good now, but the day is quickly coming when you will have nothing because that nothing is already what you have. And you are blinding yourself to the truth. And if you are suddenly realizing that, that is sort of crashing in on you right now, you need to know that Jesus is not standing far away from you, far away and saying, I hope they finally get it. I hope they come back to me before it all goes wrong. Jesus sees you right now as you are and is moved with compassion for you. Even though you have willfully blinded and deceived yourself and run from him to be self-reliant and strong. He does not sit there and score keep with you. He is moved with compassion towards you. Will you eat with him? Will you finally come to the table and feast on him? And if you are here today and you, you have been living a life where you have never come to the table, you have never eaten with Jesus, you have never been with Jesus, you have never allowed him to provide for you, today is the day of your reckoning. Today is the day where you can acknowledge freely that you have nothing in and of yourself. And that you need the provision of God. You may have been living for a long time completely fine. You've been particularly happy. Thank you very much. And yet suddenly the calculus of your life is being revealed to you. Where your whole universe is about you. And you know you. And you are just you. Jesus has something more for you. He has himself. The great shepherd of the sheep for you is present and offers himself today. And if today, if you have never, ever trusted him, if you have never, ever responded to this shepherd king, today is the day for you. Because for you, Jesus is moved with compassion and he will provide for you. The shepherd of the sheep is here to meet with his people. He is here to meet with you. He is here to provide for you a word. He is here to provide for you the things that you need day to day. He is here to provide himself. Do not miss the shepherd today. See him as the disciples saw him in that moment, and know that he will put a banqueting table for you, in front of you, all the days of your life, until you see him again face to face, and you will feast at his table with all of his sheep forever and ever and ever. Let me pray for us.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for being with your people. God, we thank you for your great love for us. God, I pray that we all might hear that truth today, that you love your people, that you moved with compassion for your people. That God, we, we have no time for the way that you want to work. We have no real trust many times that you can even do what you say you want to do. God, we pray that you would forgive us for our lack of belief, our lack of trust. God, I pray that you would help those who are overwhelmed and burdened with a life of busyness, a life of distraction, a life of lack of trust in you. That God, there are many who are uh, your people, your sheep, who have acted as if you are one of a thousand important things of their, in their life. And they are tired. They are running out. And God, I pray that you would help them to hear that you've always seen them as they are. And that even in this moment, you are moved with compassion and with your faithful love towards your people. And Father, I pray for those who are here today who have never trusted you, who have never been close to you, have never followed you, have never been a disciple. And Jesus, I pray that you would make clear to them that there is room at, at the table for them. And Jesus, I pray that you'd help their ears to be unstopped, their eyes to be opened, and they would see the great shepherd of the sheep has come for them in the wilderness of their own life to provide for them all that they need and more. God, would you help our hearts to be soft and to be open. God, help our hearts to, to respond to you in love because love is what you deserve. There is no more lovely person in the universe than you. We give you thanks, God, for your kindness and your mercy for your people. We are so grateful that you love us like you do, Jesus. May you be loved in this place. May you be loved in our lives. And may these tables be full of the people that you love. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.